Welcome back to part five in this series with Todd Worker of Hawkhaven Vine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Tomasello has been there doing blueberry wine for but seems like a century at this point. Um, Renault, for sure, has been doing you know sparkling wine for so long that they're allowed to call it champagne. Um, so it's been done in the region, and um, so it's not a new thing. It's just something that you know we're really revisiting and with a different approach you uh, met you did mention briefly you just alluded to it but my i was gonna ask you a follow-up which is what's the difference in workflow for a sparkling wine versus a uh you know a typical dry wine of, of either white or red denomination you know how much more labor intensive and why is it much more labor intensive uh, labor intensive and I guess we'll say like um, requires a lot more knowledge um, in order to do it and do it well, which is, you know, obviously also a challenge. Um, so you just have to touch it so many more times, you know, and just um, handling it in the winery, you know, the way we are making our, our wine is what we call method uh, champenois or method traditional. Right, which is the you know original way of making sparkling wine, which is you have a product which has been fermented. All of these sugars are are gone. You have your alcohol um, there, and it's what we call you know our base wine. And from that, we have to basically make a finished product wine and have it ready to go in the bottle. Um, and so we do that, but then we have to then add sugar back to it. You know, filter it to a certain degree, bottle it, and then let it re-ferment in the bottle. So you have to, you know, you have occurrences of, you know, now you're now you're building up pressure. You're having, you're basically um, putting the, the equivalent or more than the amount of tire pressure in your car into a bottle of wine. So some, you could have bottle caps flying off, uh, spillage. Um, so I never knew that you had to have, you know, the correct fit on a, you know, what we call a crown cap, like would be on a beer bottle on the sparkling wine so that, you know, it, it you know, doesn't have, you know, doesn't pop off while it's, while it's fermenting a second time, right? It takes place in the bottle. And then it's just, then you have, we, we also have to put yeast into the bottle as well. Now we have to, later on in the process, we have to get that back out of it. So we have to go through, it's not quite as complicated as it was in the early days of removing that with that hand riddling we've seen in the movies where you're touching the bottle every day and turning it and getting it into the upright position to get the yeast down into the neck. But then we have to freeze the bottle. We have to open that bottle back up, um, put a cork in it, um, very specialized equipment. Um, nothing is your general um, equipment that's just sitting around the winery. You have to go and buy specialized things to do this. Um, and then after you do that, you know, you, you've disgorged it. You've put, now you've put a cork back into it. Now you have to kind of lay it back down again. Um, eventually come back, wash the bottle off, rinse it off, uh, put a label on it. Um, and so that's just multiple times you're touching this this wine and it's taking up a vast amount of storage area because generally you're sitting on it for 24 to 36 months um, before we put the product out um, because it takes time for these wines to develop the flavors um, that we want in, in our wine. So um, it's just time. Um, that it takes to to make you know a good sparkling product. 
Sure. You know, I, yeah, I kind of touched on it a little bit. We're adding, we have to add sugar back to it because it's been fermented to dry, no sugar left in it. You know, if you get your calculations wrong on how much sugar you put into it, you either end up with not enough bubbles or you end up with way too many bubbles, which could obviously be very problematic. So it's, you know, you have to be very on point with, you know, what you're doing because the you know, end results could be, can be very bad. Okay, hard left turn. Yes. What's the Hawkhaven Vineyard and Winery Wine Club? Uh, so that is something that has kind of evolved over the years. Um, so now it's kind of, it was always something where, you know, you you bought in, then you would get a, you know, certain level of discount into it. And of course, you know, um, emails and, um, you know, invites to certain events or discounted tickets to rootstock events um, of sorts. Uh, we have some of our wines are limited availability. So you get, you know, first come first serve that. Um, we are now doing more of a shipping club with, with that. And so, um, you know, that's the pandemic has really kind of pushed that kind of that sort of um, moving into that direction where we, we had some people that were would have their wine shipped to them, but it wasn't the vast majority of our club. And now we have a lot of a lot of people in our Hawkeye Wine Club that are getting that wine shipped directly to them on a quarterly basis. Um, and it's giving us the opportunity to to do new things, play around with different wines, um, and kind of embrace things that people want to see. You know, um, trying you know trying products that you know, maybe I wouldn't really think about doing, but, um, you know, and obviously we have to have a quality threshold with what it is that we're sending out to our customer base as well. But um, it's definitely something, you know, where the you know, membership has its perks type of things. Um, if you're in the wine club, um, you know, you get invites to our um, futures events that we do. So um, typically every year we had one off year in uh, 2021 where we didn't do the futures. Um, and so you can come out and we'll do barrel samples uh, right from the barrel and you can try wines that are not bottled yet um, and, you know, see, you know, where the wines are, you know, are, you know, eventually see where they're going to and kind of have a little bit more of an understanding of the, the winemaking process at that point in time. But it's just neat to be able to, to, to see those wines and, and sample them straight out of barrel. So that's one of our, you know, big perks of being in a wine club is, is an invite to that. That's really cool. Yeah, definitely a lot of fun to be a part of. Um, for me, you know, it might you know, have to be there, you know, on site for that because um, just being there is just, you know, it's, it's just a wonderful thing. It kind of brings you back to winemaking roots, um, you know, basically where you're just sampling wine from barrels. It's just kind of the way you should be drinking wine, right? It's just, I don't know, it's just, uh, you know, um, that basic approach to things and that we don't generally get to be a part of. And um, it's, it's, it's a neat thing to, to do. And so, you know, for the customers to be able to come in and come to the winery and, and see that's definitely uh, a lot of fun. You're the first person who's mentioned doing futures types of events, which is kind of like a peek behind the curtain. Like if you 
we're having a car custom built and they said sure hey why don't you come watch us put in the transmission you'd be like that's awesome if you're the kind of person who wants to have a car custom built that's the kind of invite you want to get so if you have any appreciation for wine whatsoever getting invited behind the curtain during the process to sort of know what goes on and sample the sausage as it's made so to speak it's a really um unique opportunity for somebody who's got an appreciation on that topic right you know and for me so much of what we do how we market is you know what i like what i would want to see or be a part of or what i've experienced and enjoyed and going well if i like that there or if this is the way i would like to be shown that or um you know what would i like to go to that's what i'm kind of that's the way we market that's how we're going to develop you know different things to do and um it seems so basic at its core um to do that um you know and then just to to bring it to the public um you know now you know we don't have the ability to to have everybody and every one of our customers see that on a you know daily basis which would be awesome um you know so we do have to limit to how many people can come out and how often we do it but you know it was one of the, to me one of the cooler things that I've seen, you know, in and going to different wineries and different wine regions. It was, you know, sampling it right out of the barrel. It's like I'm I'm bought in right now. I love seeing this. I love that understanding and and like you said, you know, getting a peek behind the curtain and seeing how the sausage is made. And generally, you don't want to see that, but with wine, it's just there's so much that goes into it that the general public just doesn't have a knowledge of, and and it's just to have them see that and and understand and go wow okay you go through all these steps or here it is here's here are all the barrels and all the tanks um um and to have that one-on-one and discuss winemaking at the same time um as discussing the particular wines that they're drinking is uh is a lot of fun for the winemaking side of side of the program to to what extent does your schedule allow visits to other wineries whether it's pseudo professional <laughs> or just for fun what what <laughs> what amount of time do you get to uh to see what's going on out there in the world outside your own fences yeah basically never <laughs> I had a feeling <laughs> yeah so um you know you know in the early goings um they said you know like 2005 and 7 you know in 2010 when we were just getting started and we weren't you know working you know crazy hours um and pre-kids um we would get out and do that and um as much as i love doing it and i you know i you know some of um the winemakers are you know really good friends of ours and we just don't even get a chance to to go there every time we do go and see them you know at their places it's kind of like why don't we do this more often it's it's just really enjoyable to get out and unfortunately it just um you know there's a lot of challenges right now and a lot of uh, time constraints that prohibit us from from getting out and doing those things and it, it is a lot of fun but um yeah um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day where i can get out and do it more often again just because you know for, if, for no other reason to see what other people are doing which i kind of would jokingly say like i don't go to other places because i don't want to see what other people are doing because i want to continue you know i don't want to look in the rearview mirror i want to continually be like i want foot on the gas trying to develop whatever it is we can the best that we possibly can and i don't want to see you know what people are doing kind of kind of thing so um you know i tried to you know 
make a positive out of not being able to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, just driving forward what we were doing and always being proactive and not worried about, you know, well, so-and-so is doing this. Should we do that too? Let's just do us. Let's just do what we do. And let's just do that the best that we can possibly do it. Um, so like I said, we tried to, to um, em- embrace the, the not going to other places and uh, put a positive around it. those decisions are not better made by committee. Uh, The more one person has their fingerprint on an experience, the more that experience is going to feel like a thing. Might not feel like the thing you would have made or I would have made, but it's an experience I know is unique to this particular establishment because that person hasn't been diluted by uh, conforming to what they see around them or even being influenced by it. I think that's a great way to give a place its own look and feel. Yeah. Uh, so we've always, that's, that's, you know, such a personal connection to what it is that we do. And, um, you know, between myself and my wife, Kenna, you know, who's, you know, so instrumental in, in what we're doing and uh, unfortunately not on the phone call, but, um, so much of what, you know, we've done is because of her and her feel and approach to, to these things, um, with just what people get to experience when they, when they come here, she's kind of the, the, you know, the behind the scenes face of, of Hawkhaven um, to, you know, have that, you know, you know, what gets done in the tasting room, the management staff that's, that's there is kind of, uh, you know, because of her. And um, so it is definitely her fingerprint uh, behind things. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we want to have that final decision on, on things and, you know, and we you know, people recognize our place and love our place because of that personal, personal feel that we have. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, every winery has its has its personality, and we for sure have ours. Um, that kind of just that outdoor space and very, you know, casual setting, but with you know having a product that's generally considered to you know like an upscale thing. So it's been a it's been a fine line in trying to balance that out at still you know quality at the same time. Thanks again for tuning in. And don't forget to subscribe anywhere you listen.